0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to BibleQuest.tv, the Tuesday edition. We're glad you're able to join us on this Tuesday afternoon. We uh, invite you to ask questions, and so today, we actually don't have a topic. And if you don't want silence, ask us a question. (laughs) Seriously, this... We don't script this. This is ad lib. Whatever it is that's coming out today, it's just well, there's always the time, right, guys? We don't we don't have a script, but what we do want to do is encourage everyone in our audience to ask a hard question, an easy, any kind of a question. Not that we may not have the answer, but we'll try to figure it out. But we would like to have an, a very interesting program with questions coming from our viewers. Uh, if you're coming in on the Zoom app, please ask a question in the in the chat window or in the Q and A box. If you're coming in through the Facebook page, we are on Facebook, right, Jonathan? Yeah, looks like we are. And uh, put in your questionnaire in the um, in the text comment box there. I do. I want to also reach out to our uh, podcast um, audience. I'm really pleased to, to announce that we are really in the last 30 days. We've had over six thousand podcast downloads of listening to this program and we're very thankful for you joining us we're very happy that we have that many people joining us and it's been growing it's fluctuating anywhere between 62 i think one one day it was in a 30-day period of 6600 so that's that's impressive at least it is to us and we're very thankful that many people are interested in biblical topics so we invite you if you're if you're coming in on a podcast when you have the opportunity please go to biblequest.tv and uh, fill out the form, ask us a question, give us your comments, give us a feedback. We'd love to hear from you. So uh, we would like, as I said, some questions coming in from the audience, whatever channel you're coming in and watching the program today. Um, we'll talk, in fact, I've got a question I'm gonna ask in a minute, and I'm sure you guys might have a question too that I'll, that you guys can ask. We'll give the, the, the audience some time to come up with a question. Any question. Um, any kind of question, as long as it's relating to Bible or religious matters. But let me bring the panelists first. I'm your host, Drew DeGrado, and we have Stephen Rouse, panelist number one, at least as far as inviting you on today. How are you doing? I'm building you up. The first shall be last. (laughs) Welcome, everybody. Good to see you guys. Uh, Scott, our program director. How are you doing, Scott?
1: I'm doing well, Drew. How are you today?
0: Very good. Thank you. And Jonathan is with us as well. Panelist number I don't want to start numbering panelists. How are you doing, Jonathan? Good to see you. Yeah,
2: yeah number two. <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead and say it. It's good to see you guys.
0: So we are, um, actually, we're all in Pennsylvania. I'm up here in Northeast Pennsylvania. They call it NEPA, N-E-P-A. Uh, just living outside of Scranton right now. I didn't know what nepa was i thought that was a parts auto parts store but it's a different name but nepa uh you guys down there in the gettysburg area right jonathan and scott that's, yeah, that's right. right and uh steven you're in harrisburg
3: yeah that's, that's right. right right here in yeah. the harrisburg area central pa central pa that's
0: the capital too isn't it it is small the city sp- but it is the capital yeah great glad to have you everyone here and so um Let's keep an eye on the on the, on the the monitoring, the uh, comments coming in. We really want to invite questions coming in from the
1: audience. We don't want to have dead air space here. Also, Drew, there's a way, if somebody wants to come on live and talk with us, there's a way they can do that, isn't there? Yes, if you're coming in on the
0: Zoom app, and I really encourage people coming in on the Zoom app because there are a few more f- uh, features. If you're watching the program coming in from Zoom, uh, one of the features is that it's live. It's in real time um whereas if you're coming in on the uh, facebook uh, uh, channel it's about 13 18 seconds delayed not that that's a problem but like you were saying scott um you can come in live with your audio not with your video we won't bring you in on video but if you're in the zoom app there's a little i can't see it because i'm coming in as a, as a panelist i'm sorry on on the the other side of the view but if you're in the audience coming in you're going to see a little hand icon you click that hand icon and that'll raise your hand Yay, i'm raising my hand and that'll tell us that you would like to use your audio from your computer to ask the question rather than text it in you can have a dialogue back and forth um so yeah thank you for reminding me on that scott
1: and you can also if somebody say my facebook page uh you can just type in your question and jonathan you've got that about if that comes up right all right very good okay so why don't we start with uh, getting the pump primed here with we'll toss around a few questions ourselves and we don't know what your question is yet for today but why don't you throw it out there and then we've told the other guys be ready to throw out a question until we start getting audience questions yeah let, let me repeat that
0: we don't know what each other is going to be asking the rest of us this is just thrown out there and hey if you don't if I don't know the answer you don't have will we'll say that you want me to start with a question, there, Scott? You start us off. Okay. If I've been saved and I'll never perish, according to Jesus in John 10:28, how does that fit with what God said through the prophet uh, Ezekiel in uh, Ezekiel 33:13 that it's impossible? I'm sorry. That it's possible that none of my good deeds, my righteousness, will be remembered if I sin. That sounds like I could never really know for sure if I'm saved or not or if I will have eternal life, which is the opposite of what it sounds like Jesus is saying in John chapter 10.
1: What was the passage in Ezekiel that you were mentioning?
0: Uh, Ezekiel 33, 13.
1: Let's start with verse 12. And you, Son of Man, say to your people, The righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him when he transgresses. And as for the wickedness of the wickedness, he shall not fall by it when he turns from its wickedness. And the righteousness shall not, and the righteous shall not be able to live by his righteousness when he sins. Though I say to the righteous that he shall surely live, but if he trusts in his righteousness, and does injustice, none of his righteous deeds shall be remembered, but in his injustice that he has done, he shall die. Uh, So that passage really reminds me of an earlier passage in Ezekiel. Anybody uh, remember an earlier passage in Ezekiel Ezekiel, that this seems to be following up and just kind of an expansion of?
3: Yeah, Ezekiel 18 uh, talks of pretty in depth about a false concept that the people of Israel had in Ezekiel's day. They had this phrase that they would say, the fathers have eaten sour grapes, but the children's teeth are set on edge. And they were using it to kind of say, well, we're only suffering because our parents sinned and we're having to suffer for that. And uh, Ezekiel 18 just walks you through how God judges us individually and that the righteousness of the righteous is going to be on himself. The wickedness of the wicked is going to be on himself and the soul that sins shall die. The father's not going to bear the iniquity of the son. The son's not going to bear the iniquity of the father. And uh that's a really helpful principle here is this is not talking about like the principle of like once saved, always saved, but it's talking about the principle of you can't, just because like your father is righteous, you can't kind of ride on his coattails. If you're doing wickedness, if you're living wickedly, you'll die for for those sins if you're not repenting of them and not confessing them.
1: Actually, in the second part of the chapter, it does get into uh, uh, a point that relates to the once saved, always saved viewpoint. And well, as we read through here, let's be thinking about the way Drew asked that question. So what about confidence? What about, because, hey, if my righteousness not ends up not being remembered, as Ezekiel 18 said, why? What what happened? Uh, so let's read the text, and then, of course, we'll tie in from the New Testament the fact that the only way any of us can end up being righteous is to have our sins uh, redeemed through Jesus Christ. But let's begin with the text here. Stephen's already summed up the part about the father and the son so and what
0: what verse are you going to right now
1: we're going to verse 20.
0: in which so, chapter
1: this is ezekiel 18 it should be up here on the screen oh you do have okay I didn't, I didn't see it there the soul who sins shall die the son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son the righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself the wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself So it's kind of like in Galatians, as you sow, so shall you reap. Um, In the time of Noah, what happened to the ungodly uh, of the world? They all perished. And what happened to Noah who found grace in the eyes of the Lord? He was saved. Right. And so we have here that it's an idea of accountability. But now this points out something very, very important people can choose to change what type of life they're living. And it can go either way. So verse 21, if a wicked person turns away from all his sins that he has committed, keeps all my statutes, does what is just and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of his transgressions that he has been committed shall be remembered against him. For the righteousness that he has done, he shall live. Have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God and rather not that he should turn from his way and live. Well, when we get to Isaiah, it's going to point out how many of us have gone our own way and straight. All of us. Romans 3.23, how many of us have sinned? All of us. Uh, But what does God want us to do? To come to him. And he gave his son to pay for the sins of those who will do this. And so we're to turn. Acts 3.19 Peter says, turn, repent, turn, so that your sins can be blotted out. Now, there's another type of switch that can happen. Somebody read verse 24, please.
2: It says, but when a righteous person turns away from his righteousness and does injustice and does the same abominations that the wicked person does, shall he live? None of the righteous uh, deeds that he has done shall be remembered for the treachery of which he is guilty and the sin he has committed, for them he shall die. True.
0: I just want to remind people who are coming in, uh, we're opening questions from the audience. Please enter your questions either in the Q&A box or the chat box if you're coming in the Zoom or the Facebook page. Uh, we're just working on the, f- the first question that just uh, that I asked, so go ahead, continue now,
1: sorry. All right, so this is a very simple passage. If the uh, wicked person, so it's the soul, you're going to be held accountable. But if you'll stop being wicked and you will turn and walk in righteousness, you can be spared. But if you choose to turn away from righteousness and go back and live in wickedness, what's not going to be remembered? The good that you did. So a simple way to put this is it's more important who we choose to be today than who we used to be in the past. Give me an example of somebody in the Bible that had a wicked, wicked past and they turned to God and were forgiven.
3: The Apostle Paul, I think about 1 Timothy chapter 1, where he says specifically that God is using his life as an example. And 1 Timothy 1 and verse 16, or actually starting in verse 15, he says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Paul knew that Jesus forgiving his sins and showing mercy to him would show all future generations, if God can forgive Paul, then surely he can forgive me.
1: Amen. Uh, And you guys have probably heard, like I've heard, sometimes people say, I just don't think God could ever forgive me for the things I did. And I think that's one of the powerful lessons from Paul. Well put. Uh, But when it goes the other way, when a righteous person turns away from righteousness and goes back into injustice and abomination, is he going to live? No. What's going to be forgotten in this case? In, in the New Covenant, their sins and iniquities, I'll remember no more when we come to Christ and follow Him. But if we leave Christ, what's not going to be remembered or matter?
3: Our, our righteousness that we, yeah, can't, but... we can't like do a bunch of righteous things and then be like, "Well, I've been righteous for a long time, so I kind of deserve a sin spree or something. Yeah. Um, it's like, no, if you, if you walk in darkness. You're gonna uh, you're you're gonna reap what you sow, if you're not turning away from that sin.
1: Verse 25, yet you say, The way of the Lord is not just. Here now, old house of Israel, is my way not just? Is it not your ways that are unjust? Goes over again. When the righteous turns away from his righteousness, does injustice, he'll die for it. In the injustice he's done, he will die. Again, when a wicked person turns away from the wickedness he has committed and does what is just and right he shall save his soul alive. Because he considered, turned away from all the transgressions he has committed, he shall surely, if he shall not die. Uh, Notice that he considered, I'm remembering the prodigal son. You know, uh, is it when he hits the point to, as a Jewish boy, he's wishing he could have what the pigs had. He came to himself, humbled himself, admitted his sin went back to his father and the father what were the father's expression as the son comes and as he runs to his son this was my son that was lost and is found yeah that was dead dead and is alive yeah uh and then it says uh verse 30 therefore i will judge you o house of israel everyone according to his ways declares the lord god repent turn from all your transgression less iniquity be your ruin Stephen.
3: one other example that came in from a viewer uh, tj mentioned king manasseh as another example of someone who was wicked for a long time one of the more wicked kings of judah but second chronicles 33 verses 12 and 13 record manasseh's repentance and god's mercy on manasseh when he turned to the lord
1: yeah so this is what the bible calls us to do uh now, this is not a picture of confusion here. Oh, wait, am, am I, it's, this has to do with our choices. Jesus says, who does he give eternal life to and won't perish? The passage that you began with, Drew, uh, in John 10, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Follow me. I give them eternal life. They will not perish. But when the sheep goes astray, the the, the the lost sheep is a lost sheep. In Luke 15, does Jesus want to bring back lost sheep?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Leave the
1: ninety nine to go after the one. And and why is there rejoicing? Why do the angels rejoice when that lost sheep is found? Because it's saved. <laughs> yes, yes, because because it wasn't okay. It wasn't in a safe place. It wasn't where it was supposed to be. And when it comes back it did so uh somebody just read 31 and 32 there for us uh,
0: on, in what john 10
1: no uh here on the screen ezekiel <laughs> okay
0: i don't have, i have my screen hidden go ahead
2: yeah, i'll read it it says uh cast away from all the transgressions that you have committed and make yourself a new heart and a new spirit why will you die o house of israel for i have no pleasure in the death of anyone declares the lord god so turn and live
1: all right, very
0: good so so the question though uh, and i want to hear if i'm understanding right uh we can be assured that we do have eternal life if we remain following christ is that the way we need to be reading john 10 27 john 10
1: says my sheep hear my voice and follow me my sheep don't listen to other voices my sheep hear my voice and follow me. So if I want to be a sheep of Jesus and safe in the Father's hand, I need to do two things, hear the voice of Jesus and follow it. Because both Jesus and his brother James say, if we hear but do not, you know, as James puts it, we deceive ourselves. Stephen and then uh, Jonathan.
3: One thing in understanding John 10 that I think is really helpful is to see John nine and John 10 together. Uh, The teaching that Jesus gives about uh, his sheep hearing him and no one will snatch them out of my hand comes immediately after the story of the blind man in John nine, where here's this man who has been healed miraculously by Jesus. Mm -hmm. And he knows (laughs) that, jesus is amazing and of course the pharisees have decided anybody who's following jesus is out right. and even the blind man's parents oh. throw him under the bus and, and won't stand with him because they're afraid of being cast out of the synagogue and so
1: when Somebody jesus, loud services on those parents
3: <laughs> right exactly and so when when jesus is saying my sheep hear my voice no one will snatch them out of my hand and he tells the parable about the hired hand running when he sees the wolf coming and things like that. It's paralleling what's just happened in John 9. Here's a blind man who is clinging to Jesus because who, who's heard of this, that he can open the eyes of a man born blind? This is incredible. If he wasn't from God, he couldn't do anything. He has faith in Jesus and the Pharisees are throwing him out. His parents are throwing him under the bus and Jesus is saying, even if everybody else leaves you, nobody can snatch you out of my hand. If you will have faith in me, nobody can snatch you." And so I just think seeing it with John 9 makes it so clear the type of thing that Jesus is talking about, is that the blind man might've thought, well, I've been cast out by my religious circle. I've been even cast out by my family in a sense. Does that mean that I'm no longer saved? And the answer is no, Like absolutely you're saved. (laughs) Like You're having faith in Jesus, even if everybody else turns their back on you jesus will not as long as you're clinging to him uh no one can snatch you
1: out of his hand all right uh any questions out there from our audience coming in yet no i don't see any
0: coming in on the zoom app
1: not yet all right jonathan or Stephen, do you all have a question to throw out there while we're trying to climb the pump for the audience to ask some questions
2: yeah, i've got one um Kind of multifaceted. I'll read two passages. Um in uh Matthew chapter twenty six, while Jesus is in the uh in the garden and he's praying, uh, and the disciples are falling asleep. Um and uh he turns to them after they've fallen asleep uh a few different times in Matthew twenty six and verse fourteen. <coughs> Let me get there. Matthew twenty six, verse fourteen. Um oh excuse me. I have the wrong uh you got the wrong verse.
3: What are you looking for?
2: uh where Jesus says, "I'll just ask the question and then I'll find it later." But I'm going to go to uh, Galatians chapter five. In Galatians chapter uh, five, Paul mentions the same type of idea that Jesus would kind of mention, um, where the disciples are falling asleep and he's praying. He tells them to watch and, and be ready and be mindful. And he says, "The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak." John brings up, or Paul brings up, a similar idea in Galatians chapter five. Um, where he says to walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That idea shows up a few different times of this flesh versus spirit. Um, what exactly is that? What's the conflict between the flesh and the spirit and how do you overcome that?
1: That is a good question.
2: Yes, Scott, how are you going to answer that
0: one?
1: Well, I- I'll start off with throwing this out there and I'd like to hear what you guys think Uh And I'm not 100% sure, for instance, if I go through Romans 8, always which way he's using spirit. Um, But this passage here in Galatians 5 is paralleled with Romans 8. There's a lot of parallels between Galatians 4 and 5 and Romans 8. And in Romans 8, that's the chapter in Romans where it talks about the spirit more than anything else but it talks about the Spirit in a number of different ways. And partly it's interesting because if you look at different Bible translations, some translators will give a capital S, and some will give a lowercase s. Why? What are they communicating when they put the capital S?
0: they're, They're implying that that's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God.
1: And if they put a lowercase s? It would be the individual human being's personal spirit. Or some other sense of the word spirit. So just to illustrate how many different ways spirit can be used, let's look at the parallel passage and we'll come back to Galatians five. Look at Romans nine, see how many different ways you see the word spirit used in Romans eight. Did I say Romans nine? I mean Romans eight. I'll start with the first one. There's no condemnation. Verse one. Well, here, let's get it up on the screen. Yeah. And if somebody wants to start reading or commenting on this while I get it up on the screen here, All right, here we go. The law, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Let's just take a look and see how the translators, if they're consistent on that one. Uh, Capitalized, capitalized capitalized, looks like almost every translation capitalizes that one. Now let's come back and keep reading. For what, for God has done with the law, weakened by flesh, could not do. Now remember Jonathan's question had to do with flesh and spirit. And I like how you tied in, what do you think Jesus meant when he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. There you've got a contrast of flesh and spirit. How do y'all think Jesus meant it that time?
3: Well, what you have in the context is the disciples who have just said that evening, like, we'll die for you. Like, they they have a, an allegiance to Jesus. They have their spirit, if you will, said, we're willing to die. We're willing to do whatever we can. And Jesus says, please watch with me. Stay awake and pray with me. And they fall asleep. <laughs> right. And so it seems like... That, their spirit, their, their desire, their intention is to be awake and to be there for Jesus, even if they have to die, but they can't even stay awake. Their flesh, their, their literal physical body is very tired Yeah. and so their flesh is weak and they
1: don't follow through with what Jesus asked them. If you've ever been listening to a sermon and your mind wants to pay attention and listen, but your eyes. I've been there. Your spirit is willing, but your your flesh is, is weak and such. Now, I don't think that was, I don't think Jesus there meant the Holy Spirit is willing. He was talking about their spirit. So flesh and spirit can be contrasted in various ways. So let's keep looking here in Romans 8. Um, uh, as we go down here, verse 8, it talks about those who walk not according to the flesh. That's verse 4. Oh, thank you. But according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh, and it tells you what that is. What are their minds set on?
0: Carnal things, things of the flesh.
1: Yeah. What does a worldly hedonistic person do today? They're looking forward to the weekend. What type of things are they looking forward to? Are they looking forward to, oh, spending some time with the family, uh, going and worshiping God together? You know, they're looking forward to getting drunk, to doing drugs, to, to going to the bar and picking somebody up. Their minds are on the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, their minds are on things of the Spirit. To set the mind on flesh is death. To set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. I'm going to speed up here to get to a few more of those ones. Those in the flesh cannot please God. You're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if what?
3: The Spirit of God dwells in you. Clearly, exactly. that's
1: God's Spirit there. Clearly, the Holy Spirit. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to you. Is that first usage of the word spirit also
0: the spirit of God? However, you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Yeah, that would be the spirit of God, right?
1: I would be inclined to think so, but I, it's some of these, and as we go through, we'll see how spirit is used in more ways. In some of these, there might be a chance that it's referring to our spiritual side. Kind of like when Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, they're, they're, a person can have, oh, I kind of hate to use this old illustration, but you remember the cartoons with the little angel and the little <laughs> <girl>? <laughs> and And there's part of us that God has created that that reaches and yearns for things that are better. But there's parts of our flesh which if we ignore, you know, a, a desire for good and a seeking for God, an instruction of the Holy Spirit. If we listen to that other side, it's just about me, me, me and hedonism. Um, verse 10, if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Let's take a look and see if all Bibles translate that with a capital S. Um, King James, Yes, Uh, New King James. Yes, NIV just translates it rather differently. Everybody seems to have that one cap. Well, no, not the new American standard. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. So what's what's going on, and again here, the American standard. If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. What do you all think? It looks like it even words
0: it a little differently.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so in this,
0: But in this case, it looks yeah. like it's appearing to, to the spirit within the person,
1: mm-hmm. the way they've so which do you think it is? The King James says, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, is life because of righteousness. Uh, so New King James, so uh, NIV, which says the Spirit gives life, which is not exactly the Greek there. Um, Maybe I'm going back and forth in this, but now it appears that
0: the Spirit is life because of righteousness, and that that doesn't make sense if that's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, what's interesting about some of these is, is one reason that
3: it's hard to distinguish is because the Holy Spirit dwells within the Christian and bears his fruit within the Christian. And so, like Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 4, our outer man is, you know, decaying. Our inner man is being renewed day by day. Sometimes it's hard to distinguish between what's going on in us because of God's Spirit dwelling in us and what's talking about just our inner man or our inner spirit. Because in both cases here, well, we have life in us. Well, that may mean our own inner life in our spirit, our inner man's being renewed day by day. It may also be life because of God's spirit himself dwelling in us. And so sometimes it's not an either or, but it's like a both and, but translators have to kind of choose, do I capitalize the S or not?
1: Because both might be true in this passage. This may be an example of that. And it's our spiritual side that needs to respond to the teaching of the spirit and bring our fleshly side into that. For example, in first Corinthians, it says the carnal man doesn't want to listen to the things of the Holy spirit. Whereas let's, Cornelius, would you, the word is not used, but I'll just pose a question. When we first meet Cornelius, would you say he is a spiritually-minded person? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does he have the Holy Spirit yet? No. No, no but he is a spiritually-minded person. Uh, let's take just a minute here to talk about this one verse, because I think we can um, I think we can settle this one early. I'll, I'll give you my, my take on it. Um, Stephen, you mentioned the phrase, the inner man there is a parallel passage to this text in 2nd Corinthians and that's the phrase Paul uses there y'all remember when Paul talks about the inner man yes in Corinthians 4 they're at the end of the chapter 16 through 18 yeah and just to see that these passages are so parallel notice some of the terminology here in Romans 8 I'm gonna go back to the text um, this is just, just to underscore the parallels between Second Corinthians 4-5 and Romans 8. Some unusual language you usually don't see. For example, groaning. Uh, the ESV doesn't have groaning. I'm going to switch over here to the American Standard. If you don't mind for a minute.
3: Actually, it does have groaning in Second Corinthians 5-2. In this tent, we groan.
1: Okay, very good. But the ESV, for some reason, doesn't have it here in Romans 8 in the verse I looked at. So, uh, oh,
3: oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it does. It does have groaning in Romans 8 in the ESV. It may be just okay, very verse. good. Very good.
1: I missed that. Uh, but dropping down here, watch for these phrases where he's going to say. It's Romans 8 verse 23. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Groan within ourselves, Groan within ourselves. And look at this phrase up here. That's not a common phrase in Paul. And look at this phrase up here. I'm looking for Abba Father. What verse is it in? Uh, verse 15. Verse 15. 15. Whereby we cry, Abba Father. Oh, that's in Galatians 4. I talked about the parallels over there. Um, but look uh, look at this groaning here in Second Corinthians. And I'm hoping I'm not getting us too far astray. But I think this is kind of valuable here. So at the end of Second Corinthians, Paul gives the secret on how he was able to go through the terrible things he went through. Somebody read verse 16 through 18.
3: It says, uh, so we do not lose heart. Now I'm reading from the ESV here. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are tr- for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal.
1: So, what is it that's decaying? The outer, outer man. Yeah, uh, and specifically, Paul's getting older but he's also got scars on his body that he mentions in Galatians from the beatings and stonings and stuff. His outer flesh is decaying. What is getting renewed?
2: His inner man.
1: His inner man. And he says, we look not at the things that are seen. Those things are, you know, temporal. The things that are not seen are eternal. And it flows right into the next chapter where he says, if our earthly house be dissolved, is that our spirit or our flesh? Our flesh. Yeah. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. Verily in this we longing to be clothed upon with our habitation from uh, which is from heaven. If so being clothed, we shall not be found naked. Indeed, we that are in this tabernacle, which would be the which, the flesh or the spirit side? The flesh, the flesh. or earthly bodies. We groan, being burdened, not that we be unclothed, but we be clothed upon that the which is mortal may be swallowed up of life. So you've got this groaning, you've got this resurrection uh, looking forward to, and that's that's what Romans 8 is leading up to. He's going to be talking about the resurrection, redemption of the body. He's going to be talking about the groaning. So I believe in this verse, here's how I would read it. If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. I think that's uh, similar to his statement in 2 Corinthians 5, our outward man is decaying day by day. Uh, And as you get older, you younger guys will find out that as you get older, you kind of die on the installment plan, you know? (laughs) some of these hair follicles died a long time ago, you know, and and it is, we decay and we die. And, of course, death became part of life back in the garden because man had sinned. And yet the spirit is life because of righteousness. We're renewed. The inner man is renewed and that that's our spirit can go on and have eternal life. have that resurrected body all right let's continue any comments on that sorry it took so long i think
3: it's helpful you go ahead no go ahead
1: all right but if the spirit of him that raised up jesus from the dead and i think that capital s is appropriate there it's the holy spirit he that raised up christ jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies you see, that our mortal body dies, but life will be given to us by the Holy Spirit for our spirit through his spirit that dwells in you. That's clearly the Holy Spirit. Now keep watching. So it's our obligation not to live after the flesh. If you live after the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, ye shall live and I would capitalize that as, for as many as are led by the Spirit, spirit of God. God. Holy Spirit. So definitely, these are the sons of God. Now watch this, you did not receive the... Spirit, spirit of, of bondage, bondage, not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Is that our spirit? No. no. Is that the Holy Spirit? No, no. that's the spirit of bondage you didn't receive the spirit of bondage again on the fear you received the yeah the spirit of adoption that's not the holy spirit i wouldn't capitalize that with an s but it so we see spirit being used in all sorts of ways and then Although some translations do
3: capitalize that one.
1: Oh, they do huh i, I th- don't think i would and then look at 16 this one's pretty clear the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, our spirit, that we are children of God. So the the chapter in Romans that talks about the Holy Spirit also uses the Spirit in a variety of other ways. Uh, now be quiet, and somebody else can comment and go back and tie into Galatians 5, which is kind of
2: parallel. So so basically, the, this, this idea, it kind of reminds me a little bit of also what Paul says in Colossians 3. He doesn't use flesh and spirit. Um, But after he's gone for a length of time in Colossians 1 and 2 and talking about the different ways that the Colossians could have been disqualified, they could have been separated from Christ, and they need to watch out for false teachers and various different things like that, Um, and he emphasizes you need to stay with Christ. Christ is the head. He's the one that you need to follow. Uh, In chapter 3 in verse 1, he says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on the things that are above not on the things that are on the earth so there's this there's this conscious decision that has to happen in this in this fight this conflict between spirit and flesh there's a conscious decision that needs to happen to choose To follow after the good things that come from God, which Paul kind of outlines in uh, Galatians chapter five the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those different things of choosing to live in those things, choosing to be a loving person, choosing to be a kind person, a patient person. Whereas, naturally, sometimes, I don't like being kind to people, especially people that aren't kind to me. Uh, it's like, well, if you're not going to be kind to me, I'm not going to be kind back. Or uh, being patient. That's a huge one. I don't, I'm not naturally patient, uh, especially you talk about the younger generation, my generation, we're called the microwave generation. We want it now. Uh, and, you know, not naturally patient. I don't like waiting for things, but I need to make that conscious decision Right. In, this, in this fight in my, in my life of don't let the natural fleshly desires overcome the good things that come from God.
1: Let's take a, a tomcat, an alley cat. It's got flesh. It's got breath. Uh, is it a spiritually minded creature? <laughs> no. Is it focused on a soul or a spirit that it's concerned about for the future? No, quite, quite focused on the flesh. Yes, he's focused on the flesh. He is flesh. He's focused on the flesh. There's no... And do some people live like tomcats? Yep. Yes, they do. And in First Corinthians, the carnally minded are not interested to the, the spiritual things, and the things of the spirit don't make sense to them. And you'll see people like that all the time. It just doesn't make sense to them because they are so focused on the physical and the carnal. So if we will be to, to submit ourselves to the teachings of the Spirit and walk in the fruit of the Spirit, we need to be spiritually minded people that care not only about our physical body, but about our spirit and our soul before god and have that spiritual concern that will listen to the spirit
3: yeah so i think kind of coming back to the, jonathan's original question i know we're about out of time here it's helpful to go back and think about that that we we all experience that uh the, the spirit is willing our, our spirit is willing but our flesh is weak but tying it together with this idea of galatians 5 that we have to uh that the flesh and the spirit are battling against each other we have to choose the things of the spirit that god has given us a choice and he provides a way of escape when we're tempted and we can choose to do what's right in any given situation i think that's just the practical conclusion of this is that god has given us he, he forgives us when we fall and we repent but he continues to help us to grow. We can continue choosing the things of the spirit, setting our mind on the things of the spirit. And that becomes life and peace to us, like Romans eight talks about. Um, and, and there's this anticipation of resurrection and it's a beautiful thing uh, that God has given us. Despite our weakness, he's equipped us in Christ to, to live the spirit filled life.
1: Sure.
0: Before uh, Jonathan signs us off, I just want to encourage everyone uh, that's watching the program to, um, Send in your questions to us. We want to talk about things that you want to hear about the scriptures, things that we may or may not have the answers, but we'd like to address them anyway. Uh, Go to BibleQuest.tv and fill out the form there in between now and next Tuesday. Uh, But I also want to add that, um, actually, Jonathan and I are the only ones that ask the questions, guys. So maybe uh, next week we can pick up with a a question from uh, Scott and a question from Stephen
2: do that all right well um thank you guys for your discussion with that um and again like Drew said to our audience uh, if you all have any questions um in the live audience we're happy to answer those while we're in our show um and then also for those that are downloading our podcast afterwards um, you can submit those to biblequest.tv or even if you're on the live um, show you can submit your questions to biblequest.tv and we'll be happy to get to those whenever we can um all right that'll be it for us this week and we'll see you guys next tuesday lord willing